Welcome to the Joe Watt Podcast. I'm Joe Vendramini from the University of Florida Range Cattle Research and Education Center at ONA. And today our guest is Clifton Chapman. Clifton, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, Clifton, I would like to ask you to introduce yourself and talk to us a little bit about you. Sure. Uh, like I said, my name is Clifton Chapman. Uh, I'm uh, fourth generation here in Osceola County and uh, in the cattle business. Uh, I was born in 86 and uh, went to University of Georgia to get my ag businesses degree. So. And Clifton, you also have a, a family that work here in the property field, correct? Yes. Yep. So we're uh, all family. I have three, two brothers and a sister, and we're all involved. Uh, and then I have a family as well, or I have four boys. So we're uh, repopulating the <laughs> <laughs> That's continuing great. to populate the <laughs> workforce. That's great. And, and Clifton, um, I would like to talk to you about, uh, you have a somehow diverse operation. Mm -hmm. So I would like to ask you a, a little bit about the things that you have here in the beef cattle production. Right. And the first one is your Brahman mm -hmm. purebred operation. Can you tell us a little history about the operation? Sure. So the the purebreds in our family, my great-grandfather, Pat Johnston, brought the original purebreds into our operation, which was in the 1930s. Um, and then there was kind of a void in the 50s where we were out of the purebreds. And then when my dad took over management in the late 60s with his father, then they brought the purebreds back in. That was in 1967, I believe. Um, and so from 67 to now, it's been a continuous herd. Haven't been broken. Um, and we uh, we sell bulls, you know, a lot of them local for mm -hmm. commercial operations and other states as well, purebred breeders, different things, and export Central and South America. Okay, and... On your herd, do you bring outside genetics to your herd? So you do some AI or something that you right. always uh, cross with different we herds? We do. I mean, we bring in different things to try to niche with our cows to make you know different adjustments. But for the most part, we try to keep it more of a Florida-based, moderate you know, frame size. And, and that would be a, my next question. So, what what do you think will be a, a Brahman that will fit in this environment here in Florida that you are looking for in your selection? Mm -hmm. So, we want to have big capacity, of course. You know, and we want to have a smaller frame where they can carry themselves better here when they for the maternal side of it. Um, and then also we we focus a lot on carcass. So, we want our cattle to not just give you a maternal calf, but also to give you a, a bull calf that has a, a good carcass as well for your steers. And and talking now about the steer, I would like to transition to the second uh, probably part of your operation that is just commercial cattle, mm -hmm. right? Right. So in your commercial cattle, what are the things that you do in the breeding and also management? Right. So we've been, we've been working on uh, bringing in some other breeds that we didn't in the past to incorporate the carcass. So we brought in some of the Aku, well, an Akushi is what it is. It's a Japanese breed. So we can get high marbling in our, in our carcass. We've, we've been working with Simmental and, and Angus as well 
with our Brahmin. And so that kind of is our composite of our commercial herd. Um, and then we focus on maternal side where we breed for more than maternal. And then the rest we focus on carcass so we can have remarkable animals. So you you keep your and develop your own heifers. Yes, we do. And on those heifers, how do you describe what you'd like to have in those heifers? Um, well, we want to have uh, a little bit of flesh, mm -hmm. you know, and some ear. But we also, again, we want them to pass on some carcass as well. So we don't just look at milk and just look at fertility. Mm -hmm. We also look at carcass on the female side. We can gain a lot by the bull. But we still want that cow to have some of it. Um, so, you know, same thing kind of with our purebreds. We want them to have capacity. We want them to, to be hardy, survive with little input. Um, so those are, those are our main. And, and if you have to, to describe the breed of that replacement heifer, do you think mm -hmm. you have like 50% English, 50 Brahman, or what would be that? Uh, not necessarily. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we want, we do have a, a sizable herd that is at least 50% and then we can play with that with some other breeds but then we also have some that are heavy English and then we can take our Brammer Bulls and put on them or do some other things and we also do have a, uh, a very intensive input or feed program so we can take some heavier English type cattle for our carcass situation for our local beef that we talk about and so that way we can keep those mama cows producing because we can give them some inputs so we've kind of got everything I see. <laughs> because of our local marketing that we'll get into we've changed up our whole program where we're not just strictly brainless type cows and uh, on your heifers because you have this more intensive so you breed then as a release right we do so we moved to doing that I believe about four or five years ago mm -hmm. and uh, at first it was it didn't go so well but uh, we stuck with it and and now we're getting those heifers bred you know the first time's easy it's always easy the second time is the challenge and the third but we're, we've got it now because of our nutrition program we're able to get those heifers bred back the second and third time and then they fit right in the calendar and our you know our percentages are up across mm -hmm. the board and on the steer standpoint, do you sell the steers or do you, you keep some? Uh, um, some we, as of this year, we sold one load of calves on contract, and that's it. Normally, we would have several loads, but and those were more cutbacks that didn't fit in in our local program. So we moved away from just being a cow calf. Mm -hmm. We're now a backgrounder and a finisher. So we, we do uh, some grass-fed, um, but mostly what we have moved into is what we call pasture plus. So we treat it the same as a grass-fed animal, but we are able to push them on grain to finish them. And so that's really helped us be able to move that meat quicker. And we've got a good market, so it, we just keep it fed and flow it. So transitioning to the third mm -hmm. thing that we were talking about that right. was this local grown right. beef. Can mm -hmm. you tell us when did you start and how it started and yeah. then uh, what it is right now? Sure. So it started eight years ago and it was very small. It was just a, 
uh, a few steers basically is all we were doing and it was strictly grass fed and then it moved into uh and the reason why it was grass fed is that was the new niche market you know so we thought well maybe we get a little premium for it but we found out grass fed is tough especially here unless you want to sell a piece of leather to somebody to gnaw on there's some some challenges so we uh over the years we progressed a little bit and learned some things got better and then we found our market and it all of a sudden took off and then uh once we we started working with a guy named joe plans over in in tampa and he does a lot of the marketing of the meat and that's where uh this program took off once we started working together we were able to supply more numbers and he was able to sell more and everything just kind of worked together hand in hand. And when you mentioned about the Japanese breeds mm -hmm. that you brought, it was also to try to get some marbling on those right. animals that you finish more on pasture and mm -hmm. that kind of environment? Yes. Yeah. And they marble extremely well. <laughs> so it's been very helpful to have that in there. And you, you would have a target uh, like age for those animals to be slaughtered so it's more based on the way that they are finishing on the carcass so right what, what is the criteria we would love to harvest them by 20 months old i mean economically that makes the most sense but our our slow moving market doesn't allow it so sometimes we are able to harvest some at that age and a lot of times it's pushing 30 months before we get them harvested it all kind of depends on our our flow, you know, the disadvantage of the local marketing that we are in, you can't just sell all your calves right now when they're ready. You got to stagger them through the entire year to supply your market. So that's a challenge. And sometimes you may overfeed, sometimes you underfeed, but you try to always you try to make it line up best you can. Sometimes you got to carry cattle and coast them for four or five months. And they're getting older, but they're not gaining. You're just holding them. But then once their time comes, then you can start pushing them again and get them finished. So that that's our biggest challenge in this whole program. And uh, how about your uh, processing here in Florida? So you have a facility that is you send all your mm -hmm. animals and they do the work for you? Yeah, so right now we're using Adena Springs to okay. do all of our processing. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, We've bounced around several different small plants. We even, at one time, were, were uh, harvesting at a facility, quartering it, and sending it to another facility to break it down and cut it because they were not capable of doing it, and the other facility wasn't capable of slaughtering it. So it, it was a headache. But once we got in the door to Dina, everything's been a lot smoother. It's done in one place. And you you sell your product direct to restaurants and grocery stores. So is there a brand from your product or no, you just move to somebody else that will... Yeah, so we do. It is branded. It's Double C Bar Ranch Beef. And then our Pasture Plus is marketed under Double C Bar Ranch. And then our grass-fed, it is right now, it's marketed under Providence Cattle Company which is who we kind of partnered with on this deal. Okay. Yeah. So, and do, do you have some places that sell your beef that yeah. some people can go and buy? Um, and there there are some markets over in Tampa okay. where it is, but most of it all goes to restaurants. Oh, I see. Yeah, so there's a lot of restaurants that you can 
Mm-hmm. Okay, get something there. And Clifton, we are getting close to the end of mm-hmm. here of our conversation. So I will ask you three mm-hmm. um, quick questions. Okay. So, and you are in the in the grass fed, and probably you and your family have been working a lot with grasses. So if you have to select two mm-hmm. two forage species that you'd like to have right. for your operation, what would be? Well, not necessarily strictly for the grass fed part of it, but I think one has to be Bahia and the Argentine Bahia. I think you, you can't ever get rid of it. You got to have it. It'll save you when everything else doesn't. <laughs> so it, it's always there. Uh, and my second would be star grass. I think it's riskier, it's higher management, but it's your highest potential. And so that, I think those two together would be my combination. And uh, if you have to select, also you have uh, used different breeds, but if you have to select the two sure. that you'd like the most? Um, Brahman number one, <laughs> uh, that's a given. Um, and then your second, that one's such a tough one because I want to say Angus, just because with Brahman and Angus, you're always going to niche fine. So I think that's what I have to Okay. And and Clifton, you said that you have four boys, so you probably are busy mm-hmm. out of work. You yeah. have a lot of things to do. But when you are not working, mm-hmm. what are the things that you like to do? Uh, well, I used to love to hunt, but now my kids love to hunt, so <laughs> I love it even more. Uh-huh. Uh, but I'm taking them hunting every chance I can, uh, fishing as well. And then we're we're into sports like crazy, so they play sports. Or we're playing or watching sports on TV or something. So, so you became the facilitator of, of exactly. for our kids. Yeah. So you you do whatever yeah. they like to do. That's and right. Yeah, I, I understand that part. Mm-hmm. So Clifton, I would like to thank you very much for mm-hmm. participating in the podcast. And I am Joe Vendramini. Joe, what? <laughs>